0: Welcome to the first ever in person high performance podcast. Uh, this has taken us quite some time to get to this very much <laughs> <topic. laughs>
1: Even this morning.
0: Even this morning. <coughs> um, so, today, I think the, the big topic, and obviously everyone listening to this will know what we're going to be talking about, is postnatal depression
2: right.
0: as a debt, a- as a man, right? And it's one of these things that is very, very different. To a woman and a mum, so there's a few questions that we're going to kind of touch base on, but for everyone to kind of get a handle of who you are mm. before we start, and I can just hear outside we've got the lovely the women <laughs> so <laughs> guys, keeping it authentic guys. Let's just go and introduce yourself. who are you, family, everything. Yeah,
1: well, obviously, my name's Matt, if you uh, didn't know. Uh, I'm coming up to 30 years old at the end of the month. month, Uh, Family of, we've got my wife, Hannah. Uh, We've got the twins, Buzz and Brody. And we've got Blue, who is, he'll be three in December two. Uh, So, yeah, quite a big one. Is there any reason why they're all bees? We like the name Blue and then we've decided to carry on. I'm B, they're Bs. We've just carried on as There there was uh, one of our friends mentioned that this would be an issue because her sister is also, uh, I think she's S and uh, SH and she's SH. She said, when they're young, you won't know what posts uh, you'll get for them. So that was the one trade off, but
0: uh, yeah, we'll take it. It's through Bs. Yeah, what it is. it's a minor. Okay, so we're going to get stuck into these questions. And for everyone who is listening, when we're talking about depression, we are not doctors, we are not specialists. Just bear that in mind at any point that you feel that something like this is affecting you, switch off, get some support and help. I could potentially even add in a few little bits involved for full kind of support when it comes to uh, postnatal depression and just in general of depression. So, question to you then, Matt. The first one is, When did you realize you had postnatal depression?
1: So like when me and Hannah were talking about this, um, I mean, ultimately, it's not until recently, right? Mm -hmm. I think with any kind of depression or any kind of state, in the moment, you don't necessarily wake up one day and you're like, oh, I'm depressed. Um, I think not until we spent some time together and i think not until really later on in, in the year that i've looked back and and i've identified some of those kind of emotions some of those uh behaviors as as postnatal depression um although for the last three years i've seen a downturn in some of my some of my mental health some of my physical health uh, some other behaviors, I wouldn't have necessarily clar- like class that as postnatal depression, um, and then probably only up until having the twins did I feel emotions or or feelings towards uh, the kids and really understood like what postnatal depression became like. I kind of split into two things. Like there were a number of things that I did, uh, you know, like. Poor choices of eat the food and poor choice of kind of the way I treat myself, but I wouldn't class those as as depression at the time. And ultimately, I could change that.
2: Would you say it's an neglect of just like getting through the day? Yeah, a little just bit. Like just get through.
1: Yeah, and we can get into like a load of reasons as to why I think that probably got to the point of postnatal depression. But like the the moment now looking back, that like I really like life changed was when we were told like you're having twins because like Hannah described it nicely last night it's like you planned a holiday and you're getting on the plane and then the pilot's like no we're going somewhere else and like you have no way of controlling that um ultimately you can plan as much as you want for having kids and having another child and all of that stuff but when there's when there's two in the way like that that's life changing and and again you can only do so much until they're actually there um thought process wise, like obviously all of that spinning around my head. And um, you know, some of the some of the feelings and emotions that I've looked back on then were, you know, do like is there any way out of this, right? Like mm-hmm. as, as as dark as it sounds, like and, and again I'm gonna be really honest with all of what I say here, is that there were times during the pregnancy where you know Hannah was ill. And again, we can sort of get into that a little bit. But um, when she was ill and there were times where, you know, we were unsure of what was going to happen because, again, we'd never gone through anything like this. Um, There may have been times where I kind of thought to myself, I would have never said that out loud, but there were times where I thought to myself, like, if this didn't go to plan, then I'd be okay with that. Because, like, that's an escape route, which is, like horrendous and like when I say it now um, I would never wish anything because especially for people that you know like yourselves that mm-hmm. maybe you struggle to yeah. to have kids like I'm so lucky to be able to have two and one mm-hmm. but that's how I felt at the time like any way at this was without me having to say because I had no like there was no way I was going to tell Hannah that like you have to
0: and I think it's, it's well, like we're all entitled to how we feel and I think it's it's I I massively respect you even just saying that because I think so many people probably listen back to this and be like, you know what, I potentially experience the same. But other people will be like, you're you're selfish, X, Y, Z. But they're not living your life, right? Yeah. And until and it's never going to be able to happen, obviously, unless we find some kind of crazy time warp thing that we can do that. And listen, else's life, you can never question their decisions. Mm -hmm. Like everyone has their own opinion, decisions around life so okay so you get to the point where you're thinking didn't expect we're expecting potentially one not two Mm -hmm. what happens next
1: i mean obviously at that point we are time of the year wise i think we're probably still in a lockdown Mm -hmm. uh at this point so leading up to this event you know in terms of stuff like we had blue and when i was talking to hannah about this last night i wouldn't say that i was i wouldn't say i was sort of in a state of depression but life was hard like anyone having their first kid right like it's, mm-hmm. it's gonna be difficult and life changing so um when we had blue for the first time um that was that was a lot to get used to and because hannah had been so ill from all the way up to you know from literally our wedding day to to that time it got to the point where like the last month of Hannah being unwell and about to have blue that I just sort of gave up on myself like I stopped going to the gym I took some time off work to look after Hannah um I stopped eating properly because it was just it got to the point where it was like so much to think about other things that like that the last thing I wanted to be doing was putting energy into that um which looking back was the wrong thing to do and Again, if I had my time again, I think if I, you know, I would have done all of that differently, and we may not have been in this position. But it felt at like the time to take that sort of pressure off me. Um, we had Blue, and then it, it felt harder now because I was having to worry about things like my physical health, like my mental health, as well as 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 raising Blue. Again, looking back on it now, the first child is an absolute piece of piss. Like. <laughs> I have three now. <laughs> like, I wish I was in the position that you were in like, um, you know, you're never outnumbered. You, you, okay, there's one growing at the night, but at least one of you can get sleep and you can take it in turn. So um, move on sort of six months down the line. Well, not even six months. Like, I got myself back in a position where I was getting back into a routine. we were figuring it out. Um, I got back down the gym, uh, was eating properly again, lost a bit of weight, and things were looking up and then we were hit by a lockdown and and that lockdown again became it, it, for whatever reason it was just an excuse for me to take my foot off the pedal again um stopped eating properly like again and because there was nothing to in a way it was like nothing to live for because just day in day out we were just waking up to the same thing um again the mindset now I would have had was make most of that time but it definitely didn't make most of that time as i'm sure many people didn't um you know i spent my time playing Call of duty most of the most of the time so uh was this after uh this was after blue this is after blue so yeah like that led to a to a bad a bad place because again like physical mental health were just taking a hit um wasn't focusing on any of that wasn't taking time for myself in the right way but again like we we went and and we got to a place where you know okay we're ready for another like in the meantime i tried you know talking to a therapist stuff like that and it just didn't work i, I told them what I, what they wanted me to to say essentially like you know in my mind i knew i wanted to lose weight i knew i wanted to you know try and deal with patients and stuff like that cuz i was getting frustrated but i would say something over the phone and then two weeks later i'd get back on the phone and it just, it, I wasn't held accountable, like that didn't work. So we went on and, and probably then was no, I was never in a good place to then have another child at least, but you know, the time was right for most of us. It felt like that's where we wanted to be. We wanted to get them done within that kind of couple year period. And then the news was, was twins. So like that changed and then that changed everything. Because we literally had, because we'd done the first one, we kind of planned for. Well, this is what it took last time. We get, get this ready. We get this ready. We buy this. Um, Hannah, like, is as soon as she found out, she was like, right, we're getting this. We're getting this. We're getting this. I'm like, we should maybe hold off, but no, we went for it. And then we found out as twins, and all of a sudden you've got to reevaluate finances. You've got to reevaluate house situation at the time we were living in our old house Uh, we obviously planned to move house but um you know plans out the window because you know we put a gym in the spare room and now that's up for up for debate and um all those sort of things you've just gotta reassess and and again at the time that's okay because it's all theory until you know ultimately the the children pop out the and at that point, that was when I started to feel the emotions that, that I didn't want to feel because with Blue and the first birth, like I was in the I remember sitting there next to, you know, Anna was there laid on the on the platform, ready to get sort of operated on, so to speak. Um, and you know, excitement, thrill, like all of that stuff was kick, kicking through. And you know, that was the first time I was moved by a moment like that, you know, pure, pure joy. Um, but when the twins, you know, happened, there wasn't any of that. Like I didn't feel it. I wanted to feel it. And I knew I was I knew it wasn't right. I didn't feel it. But for the first sort of two, three weeks, it was, it was resentment. It was anger, uh, frustration and all of, All of those emotions, because of the way I was feeling, were being portrayed onto to those kids, and obviously that was no fault of their own, and it's very unfair to to put that on them. But again, that's how how I felt. It would be times where you'd you'd have them crying in the car, like for the first sort of six, seven weeks, we slept on sofas because Hannah was obviously she had a C section, um, couldn't make it up the stairs, so slept on the sofas. I remember sitting there, laying on the sofa, and you. Get no sleep, and the twins would be crying. You have one going, and Hannah wouldn't be able to get up, so you go up and get them, and you'd, you'd be sleep deprived, and you just you stand there and stare, and you just wish it would would stop. And and again, like I don't uh, anyone that goes through that, and you you hear the stories and the the you know on in the news that you know terrible things have happened to to kids and parents, but not that I would ever condone that, but at the same time, I I get it. Like all it takes is one night sleep of of you not getting the right sort of help, and and then all of that built up emotion, you know, the depression, and then all it takes is that one moment where you make this stupid decision. So yeah, I get it. Like and and that's why like someone, I wish someone had helped me. Not that I didn't have help, and that would be. You know, to anyone like Hannah or, or my parents, you know, they were always telling me that I needed needed help. But for me to click out of that and to realise that I needed to change, because at the time I just didn't want to change.
0: I just wanted to, I just wanted to walk away from it.
2: So yeah,
0: I think it's I think for a lot of people listening, hopefully has resonated with them. But in, in terms of for me, I even thought about prenatal depression, right? Mm-hmm. And Obviously, we've got lucky like, to have Eldon, and like, for me, it really hit me before. The kind of reality of, holy shit, am I financially stable? What things am I having to support this kid? Am I, like, mm-hmm. enough? Like, can I manage this as just a man? Am I being a dad myself with all the experiences that I've gone through? And I need to say, as a kid, I had, I had a, a lovely upbringing, but then it, it doesn't take away the fact that it doesn't tell you how to be a dad. Right. Everyone's different. So I think I massively resonate with that in terms of that, that feeling of are you worthy? Are you enough? Is this right? Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, because you can't control it, and we had this constant fear of arguing the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, the constant fear of, okay, in the first 12 weeks, uh, who are we going to tell? What things do we need to manage? And um, it's very different because, obviously, um, we've been trying for over a year. So mate, I massively, massively resonate. There's a hell of a lot there that has hit home for me because I think so many people aren't honest around this, especially men, because they just think, oh, I'm just going to fuck off and not worry about dealing with my emotions. And then, lo and behold, what happens is they just go and pit, which will happen to me. And I think when it comes to like you said, it's not just one, when you're having to manage three or even two, yes, you're kind of, you're juggling another ball or two or or three now. And if you're not in that right headspace, it can be a very dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you say everything that you said is hopefully for a lot of people include myself the reality of oh yeah you want to have X amount of kids and you're like, yeah, but they're still gonna be that challenging age that we know that they're so erratic and one day's gonna be amazing, the other day's gonna be horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um but it's about understanding how to manage that. And like you just said, if that one night of sleep ruins you and then that happens again and that's a lot of donut effect, you can really understand why there is so much Potential horrendous experiences with new parents or even just parents in general with their children. Yeah. Because of there's an element of neglect on both ends.
1: Yeah. And that's the stuff you don't don't learn. Like uh, you know, you get a class or two here, how to change lappies and <laughs> how to how to feed them. But you don't learn how to like no one prepares you for those. Because even even if they do, and you talk to friends, again, you're only seeing the, the good side of you know through social media you see the good side of things no one's posting at one o'clock in the night of how shit they feel and how how much how much sleep they missed out on and obviously that is different for everyone like you you genuinely might go through a through one not parenthood and never have that like you know with blue we were super lucky that he did sleep very well um you know no kid is perfect but like compared to And even the twins have been incredible, like considering there's two of them. But you know, I've I've known some parents that have have been sat up for hours and hours and hours on end um, in the middle of the night, way more than we ever were. And if I put myself in their shoes, like I I don't think I would have been able to do it. Like it just so we were. we're, It's a blessing that it has been super, super, super comfortable in comparison to other people. But yeah, no one, no one prepares you for that.
0: Okay, so we kind of covered the question too of what triggered your depression in terms of the the despair, the kind of holy shit. I've now got three kids, or gonna have three kids. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on this at all?
1: No, and I think again, all of those things, you know, and then the result of those things that we talked about there was the the weight gain. So, like, the weight gain was ultimately like not. A cause because I didn't go out and choose to put on weight but that was a symptom of the, the depression like yeah it was a coping mechanism so but that obviously just led to it becoming worse because that caused doubt within my personal life whether it be at work whether it be at home um you know in terms of confidence all of those things were affected by that weight gain as a symptom but it felt like the only way to cope with that was to just go back in and to eat a load of food. You know, again, it could be, for some people, it could be drugs. For some people, it could be alcohol. Um, whatever it is, you know, it could be gambling for all, for all I know. But, like, for me, it was to sit there and during a day of lockdown when the same thing has happened over and over again, the only thing to look forward to in my mind was uh, a takeaway. Yeah, like, which is insane. But whatever that kick was that I got out of that, would keep me going through through the, the rest of the week. Um, and then the result of that was to, to put on a chair towel weight, which obviously doesn't help any.
0: No. And the other question, number three, is when you felt the dark cloud coming over, um, over your head, did you feel like a failure? So the dark cloud of depression and this kind of, and again, not a lot of people realize what depression is because we're not taught what feels like. We're not taught how to deal with emotion as, as men. Um, I was listening, um, I think it was the CEO around um, the relationship expert, talking around when a woman goes on a date, they talk to loads of their friends, but for a guy, they're like yeah, it went well, oh yeah, shagged her or whatever, <laughs> but that's it. So when that dark cloud came over you in terms of A.K. depression, did you feel like a failure?
1: Uh, I mean, the short answer is yes, at times. And I think to what you just said there, like obviously depression is a is scale, right? Like mm. there isn't one moment where you wake up in the morning and you're just like, well, today I've hit that, like I've hit the mark and now I'm depressed. Like depression for some people could be as simple as not wanting to get up in the morning and, and go to work. Depression for some people could be wanting to jump off a bridge like there's a, a spectrum of that um and i think like i've experienced that all the you know that spectrum so in terms of did i feel like a failure yeah like sometimes because i felt like i wasn't good enough like you touched upon you know was i capable of being a dad like there were definitely times where i was like well hell no because i i can't even you know look after myself right now how am i supposed to be looking after my kids um you know, many a time, I would have the conversation with myself, like, which, which way do I want to go here? Like, this is the, I'm at the crossroads now. And do I want to leave, like, all of this? Like, you know, could I possibly do that to my kids and Hannah? But I know that I would get sanity. Or do I, you know, go the harder route, which is to sort my shit out? Mm. Which is the way I've always wanted to go, right? Because I, so, and this is the uh, this is the fight and the tug of war that I had. Like, normally in my life, as soon as things get hard, I I stop. Like, there's been many a time in in my in my life where I've like something's got a bit difficult. I'm not very good at this. I'm not like my mom would always say at school. Like, if I couldn't do it in my mind, if it wasn't how I, like painted that picture, I I just stop because it's not like unless I got it first time, it wasn't for me. On the flip side, I care too much about what other people think of me. So walking away would be having to have a difficult conversation with Anna and leave her, would be having to leave my kids and not be a father to them. And protect, well, not to not be a father to them, but just not a full-time father to them. Mm -hmm. Would have to be everyone in my family that would be saying, well, potentially, you're making the wrong decision here, Um, whether that's right or wrong would be friends and friends at, at work at, at colleagues all that sort of stuff like how could you do that And worrying what they would think of me so there was and that that will was stronger than the not wanting to to do it so it ended up being that i could never do that and i didn't want to do that it was just that there was always the possibility in my life is the grassroot um you know it turns out it wasn't and that wasn't something that I wanted to do so it was okay well you got to sort your shit out then um but that took a long time to get to that place and you know did I ever get to the point where I considered sort of you know ending it all like I wouldn't say I'd ever experienced kind of any kind of suicidal thoughts or anything like that but the thought upon reflection the, the thought definitely crossed my mind of like what stage would it get to to get to that Like, i'm in a pretty, pretty bad place right now like what would have to then tip me over the edge to want to go and end it like again never got to that space but it, it just made me think like where like how do people or where do people actually get what's their limits right um so yeah like the the kind of darkest place or the darkest car we ever got to was was that conversation and i had that conversation. i remember going up with my mom once and and walking around and we having that conversation is this this definitely what you want to do and I think you know looking back on it like yeah this is definitely what I wanted to do but I just didn't want it to I just didn't want it to pan out like it did um and then yeah like as it as we went through there were definitely days where I felt more of a failure definitely days where you know even in the beginning when I was with when I spent time with Blue and Hannah would go and go to the hospital, she'd have a gallbladder out. Like, you know, I spent a a night with Blue on my own, like within the first two weeks, like there's not many dads that would have to, to go through that. Most dads would have been up back to work after two weeks. I was lucky i get a little bit longer. Um, and my mom would have had to deal with it all. So I'm super fortunate that I did have some of those experiences that put me in a position where I have had to learn quick, but at the time, yeah, it didn't feel
2: like I coped it very well at all. So yeah, absolutely, I felt like a failure. So question four, who supported you through it?
0: Was it hard to ask for help? So in within context of going through this element of depression, as we know that a depression is a scale with this build-up. initially you didn't realise, you just kind of getting through it and just you acknowledge the depression after for a certain amount of time so who helped you and was it hard to kind of ask for that help to begin with? Yeah
1: yeah. so I think like as you said there's an element of denial for a long period of time especially in the first few weeks where your mind's just sort of all over the place. Um, the, the one moment that kind of springs to mind is after a, a long time afterwards we were talking about this together with Hannah and she said that the the health visitor um in fact one of the health visitors that we've had like she's come back three or four times now and she's incredible um but she at the time asked i think it was like i was she could see maybe i wasn't in the right space i walked out the room and she mentioned to hannah so how, like just how's that like i noticed he's maybe not you know looking great like how is he? And Hannah was, like, yeah, he's not great. Like, But again, I don't know whether he would talk about this or even, you know, acknowledge that, that emotion. So I, I think I came back in the room and I don't even remember, like, she, she asked me how I was and you get the typical response of, yeah, I'm all right. Like, ah, uh, you know, getting through it. Yeah, fine. Like, and, uh, and straight away, I kind of took it off tangent. No, I, I don't even remember that because, you know, like you talked about that there is there isn't much help out there for dads um but then I'd be lying like based on that I'd be lying to say that people don't you know support at all because quite evidently it happened I just didn't acknowledge it and I palmed it off so yeah like that was a moment where someone's reached out for help and I've just you know and which is crazy because then how am I supposed to, if I'm not in a position where I'm going to even acknowledge that in the moment, mm. how, how is someone supposed to help me? There is only so much that that woman could have done, right? Like, and that had to have come from me and opening up, and at that time in my life, just wasn't in a, in a place where I was freely and confident to talk about those emotions.
0: Do you think, again, like, we covered this whole understanding of, with, with men, it's, it's being able to actually express emotions, and and feel confident to do that. Hmm. Whereas for a woman, potentially, oh, how are you feeling? Bang! Give you everything. Whereas for a guy, for instance, sometimes it's so easy, like you just said, Oh, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm all right. Oh, okay. I'm fine.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think I... It was almost like I don't know how to answer that question. like what yeah. am I expected to say yeah.
0: in that situation. What do you want from me? It's like a lack of emotional intelligence to some degree of how to express this is how I'm feeling struggling <laughs> because I'm worrying about the finances, I'm worrying about um being that father, worrying about that good husband, worrying about just being able to not get fired, right? And that constant thing of well I need to work, I need to do this and whoever it is, depending if it's the man or woman, but naturally it will potentially go towards the man. Because of what I've seen, again, everyone's personal experiences, depending on whether they breastfeed or not, there is a huge emotional attachment to the mum and their child or children because they are the potential sole provider of life. They carried them in their stomach for, for nine months, whereas what we did we experienced the emotional breakdown and the anger and all the emotional side of things with her. And then, lo and behold, you're now having to be dealt with. You've got a son or a daughter now, or daughters and sons, and go forth.
1: Yeah. I I spoke about this in in one of my posts that I put up. Like, 100%, there's this this expectation that... almost a mother will be ready by that time because they've been reminded every single day they're about to have this child. And it'd be stupid to say that obviously I'm not reminded. Like, I can definitely tell you that every time I would wake up and get kicked in the night, <laughs> like, and I'd have the pregnancy pillow kicking me out of bed. Yeah. Like, On the not, edge of the Exactly. Bed. I mean, I do not know how we slept in a double bed for so long. But, um, like, we aren't reminded in that sense every day you know, I'm not reminded when I look down at my stomach that I've got, or even every kick, every every sort of movement, I'm not reminded that I'm about to have a child. So at the end of that nine-month period, have I readied myself r- enough to to know that I'm about to have to become a dad? No, because actually I look back and I look at all the times where like, I would take every opportunity in that nine months because I knew that at the end of that nine months, I'm probably going to be... Tied down. I was like, "Well, I'm going to take every opportunity now to escape. Like, if Hannah's having a nap, then cool, I'm off on the PlayStation. If I'm doing this, like, I'm, I'm going to take every opportunity to make sure that I'm going to rinse every second of not being a dad before I have to be a dad." Yeah. And looking back, that's a stupid way to approach it because now I'm not ready, so I'm not preparing myself in any
0: way, shape, or form. Uh, but it felt right at the, at the time. So a lot of the dads I've spoken to, and especially when uh, Holly and I, we went through a very traumatic time through the whole birth, and everyone, like a lot of guys, reached out, like dads were like, "Come oh, on, mate, if you're right." And that constant denial, I'll be like, "No, mate, I'm fine. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can keep through this." And Abdullah actually said around, "Like you'll either be that kind of protector, um, or you'll just kind of get insular." Mm-hmm. And being that kind of gorilla person, like, "Oh, this is my family. I'll protect." It's so easy to kind of burn yourself out with all of this and not think, oh, I don't need any help. And, and I look at it in my experience and I think, wow, you know what? I, I could have just slowed down and just accepted more help in some yeah. areas. And I think everyone I've asked uh, and everyone who has advised us is just accept the help where you get it. yeah, Because it takes a village to build, like to grow a family and everything like that. It's, it's a hell of a lot of effort. Yeah, and, and that is
1: true. And in terms of like after the the birth, like you know, I'd be, i I don't know how we would do it without our parents. Like if we didn't yeah. have our if we didn't have our parents with us, I don't think I don't I don't know whether we would have got through. it. I mean, I'm sure we would have, but like it definitely wouldn't be very been, different. Yeah, a hundred percent, would be so different. So I've got so much to thank for for them in terms of looking after the kids and giving us time to to go away and have a a night off, like that's super important, you've got to take that. I think Hannah, just because of the way, I would maybe take that help for granted, so I would, if my mum or or Hannah's mum maybe came round and like they were there, then it would be cool, my time to escape, like uh, and not that. I needed to do that because if I didn't do that I would have been worse off but at the same time it's not fair on, on them like it, as I say we've got to do it together mm-hmm. um, but at the same time I think Hannah's on the flip side Hannah's a little bit more reluctant to take help um, and she feels that there's you know we shouldn't I think less so now but like and it may be in the beginning she wasn't as kind of oh my mum and dad would go take blue for the day like that's cool be happy and be content with that because actually it's good for you that you get that time time off um, although you want to like of course you want to see our kids grow up and of course we want to be there at the same time you you need that to happen and actually when we were kids we enjoy our time with our nabbing grandparents and stuff like that so it we have that too it's just
0: that maybe you don't think about it until you're a parent i think this is a really good conversation have because we're in this transitional period now where but potentially going to be going away, and Holly's thinking, "Well, what happens with breastfeeding? What if he doesn't come back?" And this, I think, there is a lot to say when it comes to a mum's side of things, where they've got this attachment and this, "My child needs me to live." Like yeah. it, it, it's required. Obviously, people with formula, formula-fed for babies, there is a bit more flexibility there. Yeah, right? and I was very lucky that I didn't have to get up in the night. Nice, majority of this period of time at the very beginning I had to but I think what I'm trying to say is when it comes to this transitional period of asking for help there are two sides of it right there's help initially when it comes to I I just need to understand like I just need some sleep and then also there's when you get into the let's say the routine of it asking for help to then step away from that to mm. recharge and come back in it's probably the hardest part because you're like well what's going to happen am I going to there's something going to go wrong with them do I do I trust my family and so I said obviously you do but still not going through your head like what they need yeah and so with, with all of this and kind of coming on to the kind of uh, the postnatal depression around this like now obviously your three are here they're in the world how did you feel With your mental health, when it came to all of this, like let's call it six months. Six months, twenty-six months now.
1: As in twenty-six months,
0: and and where am
1: I at now? I mean, again, I think things obviously do get easier. Um, It it became less of a as the twins got older, and there became less of a need to be up in the middle of the night and stuff like that. That that element, the maybe the frustration, the anger, the resentment starts to ease off and i think this is where like i had to identify and split my postnatal depression and maybe then other like class other depression because the postnatal depression i don't think like you can stop happening like from research i've done and and there is like more to postnatal depression than like than actions that you've taken in the lead up like i i was not ready for the the feelings and the emotion that was going to come my way. Like in my mind, I was ready to, to love them like I would love anything. But it just didn't happen. So I was like, well, hold on a minute. This, this isn't right. And I've not, I've not done anything to stop that. Mm. So six months down the line, that gets easier. That, those feelings, those emotions, whether it be you know, your hormones right. or whatever that is, that starts to get much easier. But, but depression for things like my weight, for how my life is going right now, that hasn't gone away yet because I've not done anything about it. Um, and that's where I have to differentiate like the, the what can I actually affect? What can I change versus the, I'm going to have to just ride this wave for a little bit. Um, and in the meantime, I'm going to have to get the right help. I'm going to have to talk to the right people. I'm going to have to share my emotions. I'm gonna have to be honest, but can I fix it? Maybe not right now. And I think there's, there's two things, there's two bits there that people can identify when, or if they become, you know, depressed or, or anything
2: like that. Now, obviously,
0: the the suicide rate of I think it's under forty men in under forty is stupidly high. Mm. Um, do you now that you're coming up to thirty, and this is something when I turn thirty, I, I realize like I understand why this stat is here.
2: Yeah. yeah. The.
0: Obviously, when it when you're transitioning into things like being a parent, there's more expectation on yourself. And just as a parent, you're a provider, right? But when it comes to be um, a man of, I would say, 25 to 40, that's a huge transitional period of of where are you going in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and have you experienced in terms of, let's say, friends, potentially other dads, um, or other friends in general, have and of crept in. Now, obviously, you're turning thirty, so it could be. I don't know if it's just uh Oh my god, I'm thirty. Like, what the fuck am I doing in my life? I feel like that's a huge, <laughs> huge milestone for a lot of. Yeah, I know. And actually, a lot of lads are struggling.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's made to be a, like the amount of pressure that I feel under right now to have a birthday party is is ridiculous. Even that, like, in, and in my mind, I'm just like, I, I honestly don't really care that much. Um, but like, there's this sort of, yeah, like there's this pressure that like thirty is a big one, and you've got yeah. you got to celebrate it. But when I had, when we initially had Blue, it was almost like my mind just went into this, like, okay, like my peak and my prime is over now. Like my life is now to serve one purpose, and it's to to be a father. And obviously, that's not wrong. Like, yeah, my role as a an individual has to change, but that doesn't mean I don't progress like with my life and. And that, that was the bit I couldn't get my head around, and I suppose that was another reason as to why we went into this place because I feel like I couldn't now go on and do anything and couldn't have fun, I couldn't, you know, have goals. Like they just it would now be I, my life was defined as a as a parent. Um so yeah, that was that was a huge moment and, and the moment then realizing that actually that wasn't the case and that I can still be a parent and and live my life. And actually this is probably now the one point in my life that I've figured out or realized what my values are and what I want to do with myself. Because before that, it felt like it was just this, you know, we come out of school and we're told that we need to go to university. I didn't, but mm. it's that or go get a job. Cool. Go get a job. Find a girlfriend, get married, get a mortgage. Like all of these things are tick boxes that we need to do, like life events. And once we've done those things, it's like, okay, cool. Now have kids. And then what? Like so, now no one teaches you or even prepares you for <clears throat> life after that. Yep. And if you don't come across what you want to be doing within that sort of ten-year period or whenever it is, then I then there's yeah
2: that's
1: why people get to the point where they're like, well, I've done everything now, and actually, what what purpose
0: have I got left? And if you don't have purpose, then what's the point? And therefore, I think that's I think that's a big thing. Right? I think for for men in general, what I look at it as we don't have purpose, it's really hard to have been, like have any drive towards anything. Whereas, for instance, the purpose of, for instance, mums—they've either they've got that initial I've now got child this unbelievable amount of love that you see a mum and their child has. Everyone obviously is very different, but purely speaking from my own opinion, I look at it and think, wow, like you can see there's an instant purpose. Whereas now now, as a as a dad, you're like, I'm here to provide. But me being honest, that's not enough, mm-hmm. right? It's not enough for that purpose to be like, okay, I'm just a dad, I'm providing. It's like great, but like you just said, a lot of people don't really talk about birth, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about birth and the stuff that you go through, um, especially on the on D Day. Most people are like, oh, I'm not having kids. Like that's absolutely horrendous. I don't want to go through it. Whereas People talking around, like you just said, oh, what happens after kids? Realistically, not a lot of people even talk about that. Yeah. So it should, you can see how much we're covering already and hopefully anyone listening uh, or watching this has been like, yeah, shit, what is my purpose? Um, can you just kind of, you said about touching on about your values. Any ideas in terms of um, your That's a top three values that you potentially come to mind straight away, but you find that this is why I truly value my life and why I live on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, the realization now that, and I think it kind of comes back to how maybe the the father figure has definitely changed over the last sort of 10 years, let alone however many years we've gone back. Like the role was always to provide. And and maybe this generation even more so than anyone else is having to go through the the you know this is the first time now in jobs where you know maternity and maternity leave is being matched um, that's never happened before but now companies are matching those because they they realise obviously you can there's always been shared but like now a, a man will be able to take the six months that a woman will be able to take because the realisation is that like I want to see my my kids grow up too like uh, someone the other day um we were having a conversation and, and hannah was talking about going back to work um and she was like oh well, why don't you go get another job or go get three jobs and you know you earn some more money because then hannah doesn't have to go back to work and i'm like what "About me like <laughs> that means i don't get to i so i'm out for 70 hours a week and then i don't get to see my kid grow up I, yeah that sounds great like <laughs> so okay the situation we're in we have to both you know pay the bills but at least at the moment we're getting a fair share of, of that and and there'll be days where i have all three kids and, and vice versa Anna. so yeah definitely you know family is is definitely one of the values that i want to make sure that i focus on and, and helping others like that's this is this experience has enabled me now to to realize that i want to make sure that other people don't go through that that journey um because
0: we just have the tools to understand
1: absolutely like yeah no there's there's nothing to say that this won't happen to other people and that that we can't stop that like it it is what it is um like i said i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that you can't control a lot of what happens to you but it's definitely having the the space to, to talk about it because since i've been able to talk about it like it's become a hell of a lot easier and a hell of a lot of way off my mind. Um, and actually I've been able to look back and, and reflect and then maybe think about how I would have think, done things differently. Look, I can't do that now, but for other people, there's there's a way of, of of managing it. Um and definitely with that with that ability, like I would have been able to deal with half of the stuff that I went through a lot easier. Uh, and 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 again a disclaimer like i have not been through the hardest like you know there's been plenty of people that have done this either as a single parent mm-hmm. um
0: it a different story yeah, like they yeah. may have
1: more kids they may have had you know trauma mm-hmm. that they like i'm in a comfortable position like as a, a me and Hannah we've got we've got a, a house over our heads we've yeah. got space like we can't complain
2: yeah in,
1: in that sense but then at the same time everybody will go through, you know, even the person with millions and millions in the bank will feel the same way. And that emotion, regardless of how much money you have, how much, you know, wealth you have, those emotions don't feel any different to anyone Yeah, Like, we'll feel the same pain that I will feel to that person and that doesn't make it any easier for them or me. So it's not fair to, you can't compare yourself to other people and if you do that. Again, I think a lot of what I did at the time was compare myself to other parents or other people. Um, I would compare myself to other mates that had a lot more time that didn't have kids um, and then I would that would like arguably put me in a worse position because I wish I was them and I wish I had that time but they probably also felt the same way about me They, some of them may felt they wish they were in a position where they had kids and had a family to, to care for so yeah when we start comparing ourselves to other people it's, it's a
0: dangerous dangerous road to go down definitely so number five What do you feel that you need to do on a daily basis to keep your mental health balanced? Now, say the word balanced, it's because balance every day is going to be different, right? So what do you need to do on a daily basis to make sure that that dark cloud doesn't start to creep back in?
1: Yeah, Um, I think obviously there are simple things like working out, having time to myself to reflect. eating properly like they're the they're the age old kind of things that we preach all the time that we should be doing but there is a reason why we should be doing them because they do keep us in check
2: yeah. um and then when
1: i stopped doing that those are the things that you know sent me out of whack i said this to my mate the other day is that you know in a weird way i'm lucky because i have now experienced what tipped me over the edge like there will be people out there That will go along living their lives and have never considered what they do or what habits they build that keep them in 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 good health and not until you take some time to reflect or you go through an experience that actually messes you up do you look back and go ah well if i stop doing that stop doing that stop doing that if i kick all those things away i fall down so in a weird way i'm lucky that i've gone through that now because i know I stop doing those things, I go back to that place, and therefore I'm in in good stead. People that haven't gone through that, or people that haven't even taken the time to reflect on that, at any point, it could all fall away, and you go through this experience, and then, you know, you don't know how to get yourself out of it. So, yeah, small things like, obviously, going to the gym, working out, things like having a conversation with Hannah each week, you know, a huddle, as as we call it, like, you know, it doesn't have to be regimented, but it's a space and a platform to talk about these things and to, to learn and grow. If You don't do those things and you, you neglect that conversation. Then over time, that builds up, builds up, and it leads to an argument. And next thing you know, you're shouting at each other and you're in a bad place. So, yeah, all of those things add up. Um, and if you can keep those kind of ticking, you, you know
0: exactly what it is that keeps you in check. I think, right, I think, like you just said, an element of failure is good because it makes you realize that, okay, like, for instance, like having a relationship, a marriage, a a commitment to someone who you've got children with as well, that is a huge challenge. It's not easy because, like you said about having time for yourself, there is a substantial amount of things that you have to manage. And all those things that you're supposed to be managing are never going to be manage one hundred percent that you're always gonna have some element of energy giving it to all of these but it's not gonna be one hundred percent and if and only if you do focus on one thing all the other ones will fall to share. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I massively struggle with because it's so easy to have this tunnel vision. Yeah. And realizing that no with this cup of energy that you have, you've got to just pour it into all of these and acknowledge that you cannot just focus on one little thing because otherwise everything else will be at the detriment of let's say a relationship I can't just constantly work because you won't have a relationship because they just think you know what like this I deserve better which they do mm-hmm. so um this kind of ties on to um the next question of knowing what you know now what would you tell your younger self to help prevent this from happening now we've kind of Elaborate this a little bit, but if it was just let's say one to three things, what would you tell your younger self? Prior to be-
1: yeah, I think ultimately the first thing would be to to make sure that at no point did I let my health, uh you know, become the last thing on the list, right? So, into like I remember when we first when I first when we were first about to have blue and I took like some time off work. I kind of gave myself the permission to just stop thinking about like what I ate and going to the gym because like, like I said to you, like, it was an all or nothing approach for me. So if I, if, if I did all then it would be five days a week in the gym, it would be a really restricted diet. And that just felt like too much at the time. So mm-hmm. rather than that, it became sitting there and eating whatever I want, whenever I want, not going to the gym. Um, and therefore like my, my health took a a hit, um, and I continued to do that through throughout the sort of last three years. So yeah, the first thing would definitely be at no point is it worth stop focusing on that, like with the tools I've learned now, I've been able to make sure that I'm able to live like a, a, a lifestyle that isn't kind of all or nothing. Like I can sit somewhere in the middle, I can eat well. I don't have to go to the gym or go be in the gym five days a week, and I can still maintain a sort of certain body composition. So, yeah. like that's definitely the first thing I, I would do. Um, the second, why are no, you doing Just because without like, without that stress, everything else wouldn't have been harder. Mm. Um, our, our physical health ties into to our mental health so much, and half of the battle that I've had over the last sort of over three years has has been worrying about what I look like um, and what other people think of me and that ultimately you look at me in that moment and you say well this guy is clearly struggling he must be failing like and that was the the underlying pinning thought so if everyone thought I was failing because you can physically see that I'm not doing really well like then it kind of undoes everything all the hard work I've, I've been trying to work through so that was that physical like that side it ties into your mental massively so yeah make sure your physical health is is always in check you don't have to worry about that then um that becomes uh, a routine like byproduct of living a healthy lifestyle and then you don't have to worry about that that element it was constantly worrying about you know whether my clothes fit me whether i was literally being able to like do my job became an issue because it felt like because I was I was like less of a person because I was heavier which is mm-hmm. obviously all in your head but like that
0: it's because you think it's because of the lack of confidence in yourself but I don't feel good in myself so yeah. I can't project my true self on other people
1: exactly I didn't I didn't feel like the same person like mm-hmm. the person that I was pre-blue was not the person that I was mm-hmm. and obviously we, we evolved over the time but I I hadn't taken any aspect of that person through to I I just it was a complete different shit um, and I didn't like the person that I'd become um, but I, I couldn't change it because it was almost like too late to to go back on what I'd done to myself so yeah 100% your health your physical health has a, a massive impact on, on your mental health so that's one thing I do to keep in check I mean as I say the second would definitely as we spoke about is to definitely put yourself in a position where you're you know prepared to talk about or prepared to undergo what you're about to experience. Um, Now, obviously lots of people won't know what that looks like, um, but potentially take every opportunity you can, whether it be a class, whether it be, you know, someone to talk to, whether it be your your mom and dad or your your wife or whoever it is, take that opportunity to talk about how you feel. Um, I didn't do it enough. And I definitely didn't, you know, not until now have I really told Hannah, how I felt throughout that whole process. I mean, I'm, she would have had an inkling; right. like she wouldn't have known for sure. Yeah. And I didn't take that time in the moment, or you know, in the last three years to, to do that. So it's to not worry about, you know, how much people might perceive you, how you might come across. Like ultimately, if you're feeling that way, then you've got to talk about it because no one can change how how you feel. So yeah, that's definitely uh, another thing. And then, yeah, to I guess to to not be—it's hard to say, but to not be so selfish, like to prepare yourself in a way that means that you know that actually your life is definitely going to change, like, and that's okay. Um, a lot of what I, a lot of what I did in the three years was trying to cling on to things that I was doing pre-blue um you know whether it be spending hours on the playstation or hours down the gym like i was trying to hang on to those things and those things just weren't available now but i thought that if i gave those things up that i'd be unhappier as a result where actually it was it was and even more so now it's the flip side like you know i haven't switched to playstation on in sort of four to five weeks and and although i do like enjoy doing that like i didn't need to spend hours on it and The amount of money I spent and put through it at the time, because I felt like that was I was putting loads of energy into that, where I could have been putting energy into other things. And as a result, I've been able to achieve far more uh, by sacrificing, you know, some of those things. But in the moment, it felt like I'd be much, un, I'd be way unhappier by giving up those things and not. Realistically, yeah, but realistically, it's the other way around. Yeah. And, and not until we take that step and take that leap. As I say, I was in the mindset of this is going to be the worst decision I ever make. But actually, it was potentially the best decision I've made, but I didn't take that risk. So you can apply that to everything. Um, and actually, if you you know can start making those sacrifices and, and getting yourself in a position where you're ready to be a father, be a better person, you will reap the rewards. It's just you maybe don't realize it at the time. So yeah, get get yourself in that position. Start getting kicked in the night. Start
2: getting kicked <laughs> in the gut. It's
0: good for you. I think that's it, right? In terms of, like, like planning uh, or preparing yourself for sleep deprivation. And people have, obviously, there's a scale of this, right? But having that prep, one, you probably would never put yourself through it. because It's just ridiculous. You'd only do it because you have to. Just to, like keep this child alive. Mm. Um, yeah, love that. Okay, so, question number seven. What advice would you recommend to any dad to make sure they protect their own physical and mental health?
2: Um, I mean, similarly,
1: like we've talked to, but I think, for me, the, the massive takeaway would be to, you know, to make sure you do invest more in your health. Like, not until we've you know t- start to spend time together have I realized the full potential of of myself and it's not to say that others haven't pushed me in that direction over the years like it would be unfair to say that my parents haven't wanted that for me and, my, and Hannah haven't wanted that for me but sometimes it takes a little bit more than that um and obviously they're not that's not their field of expertise so like had I have had a coach or someone there to know whether it be a coach or therapist whatever it is five years ago when i was potentially pushing my body to through as much as i can Mm. yeah and actually maybe in that moment like just that thought there like you know when i injured my knees and and what i had with the physio like that was initially kind of one of the biggest things that spurred me into kind of fitness was i took all of that for granted throughout my throughout my years as a teenager i kind of ate what i wanted but we were always super active we used to play football a lot so we were lucky that it kind of balanced itself out. But as soon as you stopped doing that, as a as a as someone a little bit later in their life, like that obviously catches up on you. And when I had my first injury, I took all that for granted. You know, you'd normally shake off an injury as a kid. Like you get up and you go back to playing football the next week. But this was the first time that was like, I'm now got a choice. Like I can either not get up and go again, or I can put a ton of work in for the next nine months and, and reap the benefits. And, you know, it took, you know, a physio, going to a physio every week and, and getting that done. And actually that disciplined me to get into the gym and be a little bit better with what I ate because without doing that, I wasn't going to recover. So it was a, you know, and then the next time it happened to my knee, again, it happened to my knee sort of five years later, but I knew what it took now and that recovery process was smoother than ever. And then, you know, again, my physio spurred me to to get to that stage now. Same thing with my with my actual physical health. If I'd had someone to tell me, do this in the gym, do this in the gym and eat this and actually don't be so worried about doing this, I'd have probably had, you know, far better results than I did trying to do it on my own and, and guessing along the way. It it worked out, but I would have probably got there a lot quicker. Um, and then take that into, you know, being a parent, all of a sudden you've got to try and manage that while being a a parent and your health doesn't just go away, like your health doesn't just disappear and it doesn't so it needs to be looked after, but how do you do that while you're going to sleep? How do you do that while you're going to work, coming back, giving Hannah the time she needs to rest to, and then taking the kids while cooking the dinner while doing all that yeah you, you have obviously have a far a lot less time in your life, so all of a sudden you have to adapt to that and i and obviously i didn't adapt to that very well, but had I had someone in in the first place to actually support me through that, I probably would have would have adapted to it a lot better. So that would be my advice: is <laughs>
2: get a coach, <laughs> get a coach. <laughs> or,
1: or not just a coach, but have someone there that is, you know, your
0: expert in a, in a field of. So you think it's like it's it's like in some ways building a tribe, people that have their expertise, but also knowing that they have your back. That that's the biggest thing: knowing that you can reach to them and go to them, and be like, "I'm in a really shit place." Yeah, I need to. I just need someone not to be like, "Oh mate, you'll be fine." It's like now, I'm actually going to tell you what you need to hear, instead of, you know what, like, yeah. "You're fine, mate. You, you can crack on with this." Like, as guys, it's it's very easy to kind of reach out to your mates and be like, "Oh yeah, how are you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm okay," and then leave it at that. But you know they're fucking struggling at some point and yeah. they're really pissed off with it to answer. and it's very hard to find those people because you're not going to get that with everyone you're going to always have these friendships where some people you're going to have an emotional in-depth conversation and some people you're like it's going to be surface level bullshit and it's it's your choice and willing to obviously keep that friendship but also acknowledging that they are there for this environment.
1: Yeah like there are certain friends now that i um, now I'm finding that with like, obviously I've been quite open and honest about what I've been through, mm-hmm. but would I, like there are definitely people that have responded differently and there are definitely people that I'm yet to have that conversation with in my friendship group. Like, mm-hmm. because we've never had that conversation in our lives. Like we've lived pretty comfortably throughout the time. Like, um, we haven't yet got to the space where we felt it may be necessary to have that in depth emotional conversation. Either I haven't gone through it, they haven't gone through it. And then therefore I I would never expect them all of a sudden to just step up and and be able to hold me accountable. Like <laughs> obviously everyone has the best intentions and your mates never want you to, to see you go through that, but they're never equipped. So when I was going through that and and I was at the point where I was making the decision, you know, do I get a coach or do I try and do this on my own on with the the help like I was never going to accept the help from Hannah or, or my parents because I was never, they weren't, they didn't, they they knew me too well. Um, they were, there's a yeah, there's a bias. Like, so they might not always be doing what's best for me. They might be doing what maybe is most comfortable for me. Um, and therefore, like, it has to be someone that is only going to, like, is going to give you the facts, right? Um, have, like,
0: fresh eyes on the whole situation. Yeah and experience what, where you were before is what I can see in front yeah. of you and how you look, you project yourself. And your friends can help you with that.
1: I and mean, yeah, they definitely need to be there throughout that time your family. Yeah. But at the same time you need the hard hitting facts too, like otherwise it just doesn't
0: you don't grow, right? Yes there's, yeah. there's, there's no as a lack of growth. And I think this is I think for guys as well, and I've realised this that guys are the hardest people to coach ever. Um, as a coach from being a coach of men and women. The, the reason why I think guys and everything about this conversation today was you just think you can get through it yourself. But mm-hmm. then what happened is you learned that if I can t- if I did that again, would, would you do that yourself again? No, you wouldn't You'd be like, fuck this. I, I actually need to speak to someone. I actually need to be more self-reflective. I need to be more um, emotionally invested in in relationships emotionally invested in yourself Mm. there's so many different things but like also you said i wouldn't have the conversation with a friend unless potentially it came up and then we have to then turn it on its head and think okay so we have to then be reactive to a situation and it's really hard to look at it in that way but the majority of the time life is like that Mm. we look at the failure and then we reflect on it if you haven't failed then what's even talking about it but what we're trying to say, and everyone listening to this as well, is if you are, a, let's say, a to-be-dad and you've got all these emotions, and, or even you're a dad and you haven't just acknowledged any of this, mm-hmm. hopefully now it's made you realise, holy shit, I actually need to be more emotionally knowledgeable about myself and also how that is having an impact on other people around me. Mm-hmm. Because we can be so selfish. Like, I remember the fact, like, when you're saying about oh, the time that you've got this amount of time left before you're a dad and you're fucking fucked. Everyone says, oh, yeah, your life's over. Yeah. Right. And you're like, fuck this. I'm going to do much can to just enjoy my life. And then you're like, what am I doing? Like, stop being like this person. Like, because you think this is better. It's just a transition of a, a new life that involves a, a dependent. So, like, we weren't thinking about how to fit in, enjoying our life
1: with being a dad. We were just like, well, it's one or the other. So rather than spending the time to like build some habits or build some structure in my life that would allow me to still be, you know, having... It's
0: not sexy to do that, right? No, no. What's the incentive? Well, yeah, there it, isn't Because you're like this, the only thing that I know right now is freedom. I want to have as much as I can before that's over.
1: And that's not to say like, that's not, like again, there'll probably be, you know, people listening or people that... You know, don't ever have kids, and yeah. that's cool. That that's your choice, right? Like you don't, you don't go, on, like, go on the podcast,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Good like, night.
1: yeah, and that's it. Like that if that if that's what it keeps you happy, then then cool. But like, I always knew that I definitely wanted to to have kids. Like, I I want to be able to give you know what my parents have given to me, and I want to give that to someone else because I think you know that that's important. Um, but ultimately, you have just got to be. Like at the same time, I don't want to do it for the sake of having a kid, and I'm not just going to stroll my way through it. Like you've got to add value, right?
0: Completely. And I think this is where there's a there's a fine line of like, tick boxing parenting and actually being a parent. Because depending on everyone's experience in life, you will either want to be like your parents or you won't. Right. And when we look at this thing, do you want to be a tick boxing parent or do you want to be a parent that will be then potentially a friend but also there's an element of authority with your child be like you know what i can go to my dad to talk about x y and Z, because it will allow me to feel that i'm in a safe space and i think a lot of people don't speak to their parents because they don't they feel like they're going to potentially be judged or told off whereas i think there needs to be a substantial amount of change when it comes to things like this and I'm purely looking at everyone's parenting way parenting style is gonna be very different. Mm. But I truly believe if you live the life that you want to live, then that will project on, on your children as well. Yeah. Um
1: and, and that's that's to add to that, like that doesn't mean in the meantime you don't get it wrong, like I hundred percent we all get get it wrong from time to time. And we although I'm trying to better myself now, I'm still there are nights that still tough. There are still moments where I lose my patience. I still potentially am tick box parenting when I shouldn't be tick box parenting. <laughs> but that's okay. Like we're all allowed to get it wrong. we just got to make sure we have the space to, to learn from it. Because if we don't have that space, then, yeah, obviously we'll
0: just continue going through life like that. So, so the last question then is, are you becoming the man you want your,
2: your son and sons to be? I hope so. I hope so. Like I think why? So look, I
1: I suppose that was one of the things that, looking back, like if you really think about sort of uh, parenting as such, like no one really teaches again. No one teaches you how to how to do that. Like you you've kind of just got to go with your gut, right, and do what, do what's right. But then it's crazy how like in the last sort of three years like how how much they they sponge off you and obviously when you even when you think you know for the first sort of six months or whatever they're not they won't remember this and i don't remember you know when was the last time you remember something that happened when you were two three unless you got an incredible memory um but at the same time like that's building the foundation for them growing up so like yeah, they they definitely take more than you expect. And I think in the beginning, there was this element of like, well, I'll just get through this um, and I won't, you know, I won't put too much effort into kind of helping them or, or teaching them so much. Like it, it was more just like, let's get through this so that we get to the age of, you know, they go to school or whatever. And, and then it kind of sorts itself out. But what you, you soon realize is that ultimately every moment of your life, they they are learning from you in some way, shape or form. Um, So I think I've taken that and applied that to myself and I want to make sure that in my own life now that I'm, you know, putting myself in a position where I'm trying to grow, I'm making myself uncomfortable in certain situations because if I'm not, then I'm probably not, you know, going to grow. And at the same time, then, hopefully taking that, you know, same application and and, and helping the the boys grow up to Mm -hmm. be, to be good, good lads. Like, and I, you know, I'd like to say I, or you know, I'd like to say that me and Hannah have done an incredible job so far, like considering all of what, what we've gone through. And, and so far, you know, they're a credit to, to us in that sense, but of course, we've still got a, a long way to go. Um, and also how, you know, how much support we've had from, from our families and our friends. And again, that will help. So yeah, like I, Hundred percent. I'd like to say that that's the case, but of course we've still got we've still got a long, long way to go. But I'm I'm trying my
0: best. That's that's all I can all I can say. No, mate. I, I think it's a great answer because so I think when we, if someone said, if I asked this question to someone and said, "Oh, am I? Am I? Are you becoming this best version of yourself to inspire your sons or your kids in general?" And if they said yes, it's like, okay, but are you done? And I think when it comes to parenting, every single parent that I've spoken to is, there's gonna be a next challenge. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be a next phase. There may be sleep regression. There may be, well, just think of when they go to school, just when they turn into a teenager, when they leave home, there's gonna be all these facets of life that we just have to acknowledge that you are never uh, prepared for, but you'll only be prepared for it if you've gone through it before. so I think, like you said, it's it's nice to hear that you said it's it's not just you that is going to be, I uh, saying, influence of your sons. It's about everyone around you and how you have that relationship with them and uh, that support network. And that's the, let's say, the epitome of the the end result of health. Because some people think, oh, it's about like going for physical training, your health, like your your nutrition, um, or like your job. It's it's everything that's encompassing a lifestyle that they can then see and be like, well, I can be a part of that. Like All the experts and all the science around it is looking at like, well, if that person has had a very good upbringing and a very supportive and loving upbringing, naturally that person will probably um, be loving as well because they have got the attributes and the knowledge and skills that they can apply to their own relationship and then vice versa. And this kind of finishes off this podcast today of the mission of the reason why initially it was the parent project, but now it's the Academy. The mission was to break that cycle of an element of neglect and negativity and something that wasn't actually serving people to then, um, acknowledge the hiccups and prevent that big peak wave, um, from crashing and actually just nipping at the bud sooner and sooner. So it becomes a ripple. So then, that will then carry on to then the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. So,
1: and you never, you never know, like you never know what ten years down the line is going yeah. to be. Like. We don't know what our kids are going to do, do. You bet the world is going to grow up, and so all we can do is is support them and and build the groundwork for them to go off and, and excel themselves. Like like we've just talked about here, I cannot like nothing, like no one else can change nope. how I feel and, and what I do unless I go out and and have that drive to do it myself. So ultimately, we're doing that for our kids. We're teaching them, you know, certain things. We're advising them. But ultimately, it's going to happen. We're giving them the ability to go and chase life themselves. And
0: and then hopefully, they get it right. Amazing. Well, this has been an epic podcast. I think this is, I don't know, the fifth time lucky. (laughs) we are trying to ignite this podcast. But I think hopefully now, it's... I see a real big purpose towards how we're going to be kind of angling this going forward in these podcasts around just topics that not a lot of people talk about. Um. So, thank you. Thank you.